Hello? Oh, hey, Merlin. Oh, hey, Dan. How's it going? <laughs> What's going on? There's, there's San, Francisco is, San Francisco is cold and wet and not as fancy as like I was. Do- it's like, like a dog's nose. Yeah. Did they, is that what they say? Yeah, that's what they say. It's in all the papers. Oh, man. They just do everything according to how much like a dog's nose San Francisco is in a given day. You know, people think it's sunny California, but no. <laughs> people don't think that. You think that. I do think that. <laughs> yeah. So this is, uh, you've had many trips out here. You've eaten at Safeway uh, in the past. I've never done that. I never did that. They wanted me to go, but I didn't go. You flatly refused. Mm-hmm. You were over in, um, Briar. in, what do they call it, uh, over there on Briar. You were over in the, uh, what do they call it, Silicon Gulch or whatever. <laughs> Weren't you over kind of like near the ballpark area or kind of like near Townsend? I think uh, I think I was at the, mostly at the W Hotel in Moscone, and uh, no, I mean I mean I mean when they wanted you to go to Safeway back in uh, oh 1985. oh yeah 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 sorry yeah that by the AT and T several blocks away from the AT and T on Second where all the Brain Trust was yeah yeah and, that's and where they, it was cool it, to have an office back then I'm told extremely cool super expensive it's where Wired and all those people kind of were and uh you they wanted to go to Safeway for sandwiches and and you you gave them pushback on that your colleagues. I, it was it was my maybe second trip to San Francisco, first trip for the work thing, and you know I'm I've been told that there's all this great food and cuisine in San Francisco. Great everywhere you go, you can get amazing food. That you know back when I lived in Florida, as you know, if Chili's was considered really extraordinary, <laughs> and you know I'm like let's go, let's eat something, let's you know I like I want to live like a, a San Franciscan. Uh, lives and eat the food and, and they're like, yeah, let's go. You know, we'll go get subs from Safeway. Mm. And it was, it was, I was like, guys, like I traveled a thousand miles to be here. I, I don't want to eat a sandwich from a, a grocery store. And they're like, well, they're good. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but let's eat something different from that. And I, I've now come to realize that that's actually is some of the best cuisine in San Francisco, but they didn't, they, we wound up going to get uh, burritos. I don't want to start a whole thing. I'm glad you got burritos because they got pretty good burritos here. But, you know, I, I don't want to start a whole thing. But, you know, I have to say that it, it, for you especially, living mostly, in, I guess, in Florida, was it – or were you in a Carolina or Florida before I was that? only in North Carolina for like a year or so. So it was like Florida, Car- North Carolina, Florida, now Austin. But the irony is you come out here, you're not going to get as good of, of a chain supermarket sandwich as you would get at the uh, Publix. Publix Shopping had a better is, sandwich. I mean, it is a pleasure there. Shopping's a pleasure there. There's you can't a rumor. Tip Did you hear the rumor that I don't Publix think I the rumor. is trying to buy or wants to buy Whole Foods? <laughs> they want to buy Whole Foods? That's the rumor that I've read. I'm not kidding. Hold on. Let me find this thing. I'll put it in the show notes. Huh. That's... I don't know that that's true. Hmm. That's hard to understand. Here's an I article feeling... in, in bizjournals.com. Why a Publix Whole Foods, Foods deal makes sense and why it doesn't. By Margie Manning. I'll put this in the show notes. I know people want to find out about this. Dan, where can people find show notes for this episode of your Back to Work program? We're doing 174, right? It's uh, 5 175, by... 175, 175. Oh my gosh, I've saved it as the wrong file name. 5by5.tv slash B as in brothers, 2 as in the number of us, W as in women slash 175. 175. 175. Last week we were in, in person in that New Relic room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I assume we were. It was pretty dark. It well, I like I do like like the dark, and it was uh, it was fun for me. But the, the show that's astounding to me, the feedback, which I don't think we've addressed publicly, hmm. was our parenting show. When was that? 
we did, I think it was the week before last. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Some people said some uh, nice remarks about that. Mm-hmm. I think people like to hear when I'm a failure at something. It seems to really resonate with people. Well, because I think they figure that they're failures and that when they hear that Merlin is also struggling with something, then it makes them feel better. It's like watching a reality TV show and making yourself feel better because those people are, you know, way crazier than we are. So I'm like on Hoarders, basically. Yeah, basically it's just an episode of Hoarders. I never watched that. I couldn't watch a show like that. I watched it. Was it rough? Yeah. It was pretty rough. Yeah, it's pretty rough. But uh, speaking of this, speaking of this, uh, people asked on Twitter, well, people, one guy uh, asked if we could uh, do a, um, if we could, if I could address the concept of bringing sanitary wipes to a hotel room and cleansing the hotel room. I assume that, that, I assume that's something you'd like to do. No, I mean, it's your show. You can do whatever you want. Okay, go ahead. No, I don't, now I so, don't want to. No, no, want no to. it's a, let's, let's keep bringing it to the, back to the bathroom. That's going to be the show. Back to the bathroom. Uh, why? See, don't make it clever. Uh. <laughs> um, so the question uh, that you're mentioning. Yeah. What was the question? The question is, have you ever considered bringing, you know, bringing instead of, because there are a lot of people who sent me pictures during WWDC of, they sent me on Twitter pictures of their remote controls in plastic bags because they don't want to touch us. Yeah. (laughs) And then someone else replied to that thread of like, dude, guys, why don't Dan, have you ever talked about or thought about, you know, bringing the sanitary wipes and wiping things down instead of encasing them in, in something? Oh, it's two different approaches. Yeah. It's like, you know, one way goes one way, one goes. Yeah. So what? Okay. And so, and so, uh, what's your feeling on that, Dan? Have you thought about bringing wipes with you to a hotel room so you could clean things off rather I, than encase it? I did that on the last trip, and uh, I brought the you know the hand the, the kind that you use for hand wipes, not the like the strong Clorox surface wipes, but the kinds you would use to like wipe your your hands or your child's hands if you were. We don't do that, mm-hmm. but I did. I brought I bought a pack and I brought it and I wiped I wiped down the remote and Good. the, did the, did and the that, phones. Did that, did that provide relief? Yeah, I felt good. Good, good, good. And did you use your LED flashlight to be able to no, see? No, I didn't bring. I didn't bring the special flashlight uh, to check for the fluids. <laughs> I didn't bring it. I'm, I have to have some limits, you know. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, but you know, there's a certain amount of trust involved, probably, right? You have to trust your own uh, instincts and wipes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's important. To wipe things down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about the thing you said about what, what's actually clean in the room. I don't know, I don't, you know, about how the towels are clean, yeah. probably the sheets are clean, but... Uh, That's it. You don't, you don't want to look at that mattress. Mm-mm. Did you enjoy your trip here? Yeah, it, was, it felt really, like a really, really long trip. We were very busy, and it, you know, having the party, I think, just added to a lot of the feeling of the planning and responsibility and everything else, but it was a great party. And thank you again for coming. It was great to have so many of the five by five people like together in one room. I don't think that's ever happened. And it was really, really great. And people came and uh, hopefully enjoyed themselves. And it's it just been so much fun. And like new relic hosted it and MailChimp sent these really cool deck of cards that we gave out to almost everybody. Uh, it was just really, really fun. Really great. That's yeah. amazing. Kind of all inspiring that, that, you know, the listeners care enough to, you know, come out and hang out at that. It was just really, really great. 
They probably heard there was free stuff. Yeah. We did have some, some surprise guests. Yeah. They're in the video. Yeah, they are in the video. That's a sweet video. <laughs> yeah. My friend, uh, Paul Searle put that together. Really nice. I kind of like that, uh, little bleep bloop soundtrack. Yeah. He he sound, I don't know where he finds this stuff. He's great. Yeah. It's in the Hire credits. That guy. Hire that guy. Okay. Uh, and so what else? So we talked a little bit about WWDC last week. Um, I got a couple things here. Okay. Um, something I really like that I, I imagine a lot of people who listen to this show have already heard, but I'll mention it again is that the last episode of, uh, last weekend's episode of the incomparable was about Ed Catmull's book, creativity Inc. And Ed Catmull's one of the, I think, yeah, founders of, of Pixar and one of the guys with the technical background, as against the sort of John Lasseter's of Pixar. And uh, I haven't, I've only read a couple chapters of the book, but I, on John Syracuse's recommend, recommendation, but uh, I really, I really, I really like the book and I really like their discussion of it. So, you know, it's the usual, uh, not the usual gang, but a good gang, Syracuse, uh, you know, I think Lisa Schmeiser's there. Um, but that, that's a really good episode because as, as John Syracuse has said, it's Creativity Inc. is not, it doesn't feel like your typical, neither your typical memoir biography nor your typical business book. Um, so in addition to having lots of really interesting stuff about how, just how rickety Pixar mm. was at mm-hmm. so many different times. Uh, also, you know, uh, you know, I, hmm, I'm, I'm already demurring on this a little bit, but, but you know, what's great is, is that he, he's really upfront about how important it is for them to, as for Pixar to like, be to constantly be kind of experimenting and pushing the edges on things and doing um, and failing, you know, failing fast as the title of the episode, I think says, and but then being able to figure out like there's, there are, it sounds like at least in the purported ethos of Pixar, there are very few sacred cows, whether that's somebody's particular ego about wanting to be the only person who drives the bus yeah. or, or, you know, just, so anyway, it was just really interesting. It's, it's, 90% interesting because there's so much great stuff in it about how this company that's done so well um, has struggled at so many times. I mean, it's incredible. You, another one of those stories, you think of Pixar as being like on top of their game that whole time, but how much they've struggled at so many points. And like the whole story of like how Toy Story 2 went and how that could have ended up. The whole story of like how Toy, like how Toy Story began with Woody being kind of a jerk. I don't know if you ever saw those, anim- I think they're animatics from that of like Woody was initially supposed to be like this kind of unlikable character. Right, right. And he was supposed to have a transformation as a character from unlikable to likable uh, throughout. It's, it, the- and it's funny to hear it. Like they do the, vo- they have Tom Hanks doing the he's like lines angry. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very defensive, but instead they make him more likable. But the other percent that makes it interesting though, that Syracuse brought up is kind of like, it's so transparent, so disclosing. So all about like, this is what we learned from this failure. And, and again, let's just stipulate very different from most books that are like, well, here's all the failures I'm willing to own up to because here's all the things, you know, I'm famous for. Like it goes beyond that to being like, no, this is just a thing we do over and over. But like Syracuse has said, it'd be interesting to hear more about things like cars too. And yeah, <laughs> whether, right. whether they really, whether people really, you know, I, I wouldn't say this if I didn't love Pixar, but do, do people there really love Cars 2 as much as we love, like, you know, Incredibles? <laughs> and is that okay, you know? But anyway, I, I highly recommend the book. Very good book. Uh, very interesting guy. And um, another thing I'll find for notes is a talk he did, Ed Catmull did, I want to say at, uh, maybe it's Stanford, uh, that covers a lot of these themes if you're the sort of person that would rather uh, watch a video 
for uh, an hour than listen to uh, a podcast or read a book. Uh, I'll try and find that for notes. But I think for people who listen to this show and enjoy our, our themes of like being a constant wreck, uh, it's, I, I think it'd be really uh, interesting. Have you heard of the book? You've heard of Creativity Inc.? Yeah, I mean, I've heard of that. I've not read it. And, the, you know, but it's, it, as you tie that into the whole Pixar thing, I think it's just so interesting because we see a company like Pixar as just knowing what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's amazing to think about that as a discovery process of like they had a movie that didn't work. And it's one of these movies that we as consumers of the movie, as viewers of the movie, that's like a definitive now, at least for my kids, like it's like a childhood movie and it seems perfect. But mm-hmm. how do you get to perfect? How do you get to something that's perfect? Well, you start out with a character who's, who, who's just not going to work and there's a fatal flaw in your movie. You know, like your movie is just not going to work the way that it is. And like, how could you have these people involved who really seem to know what they're doing and these great actors? And it's weird to think of Tom Hanks playing Woody as like an unlikable character because he's the most likable character. Right. And and he's, you know, it's, you know, he's he's got some limitations as a person uh, that that he sort of learns about and overcomes about. But those are the things that make him endearing in a way as a character. And then you you think about this whole creativity process of these iterations that they're going through in a movie. And like to us, a movie is just a finished product. And when you hear these stories, uh, not to derail what you're saying, but you hear these stories about movies all the time that like, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't working and they rewrote it or they're bringing this other person on to rework the script and they have to refilm half of it. You're like, gosh, what a what a crazy thing that must be. But when you look at your own life or projects or things that you work on, how many times did you write, rewrite that code or how many times did you rewrite that paragraph? And, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, in a way back to the reality TV discussion we were having before, it's like these things happen with everybody. They're just people who are working on something and figuring it out as they go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something uh, Syracuse pointed out that, you know, he, he, I think he mentioned this on uh, an episode of hypercritical with you when he was trying to pick out something that's a, what did he describe it as? A vulnerability or a blind spot for all the different big tech companies. And the one that he said for Pixar back then was that, I want to phrase it correctly, but along the lines of, you know, are they, are they taking enough chances? Like, are they putting out? Right. And, you know, one of the things that they talk about in the book and they talk about on the podcast is this sort of brain trust of this. It's almost like the Illuminati of this, this group that, not the Illuminati of with the, you know, pyramids, but the Illuminati with Marvel. But, you know, this group of like the super, super Pixarians who, who go in and like at, at different points in the movie, there's so many people providing so much input all along the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you're working on all these pieces. It's, you know, I think, I think something that's a little bit of a misconception with a lot of people is they think that a, an animated or CGI movie, uh, you know, obviously that's easy. It's just computers. That's, that's easy to do. It's mm-hmm. probably cheaper to do. And I don't think that's the case. It's, I think it's extremely costly to, you know, to do all of that stuff. It takes a lot of time to, yeah. to render all that stuff. And for example, like watching the Avengers uh, movie with Joss Whedon's director's commentary, it feels like almost all he talks about through the whole movie, he's not talking, he's talking somewhat about the performances, but he's talking way more about, oh, this scene, I wish we'd had more time, do this in two locations, or I would, you know, the thing is we just didn't have the budget to do the CGI any better than this. This is the best we could do which I thought was so interesting. It's now one of the highest grossing movies of all time, mm. but it still was created within those constraints of, of having to, you know, really storyboard all that stuff out and think about the consequences of every decision that you make. But um, anyway, I, I don't want to go on about it, but I, I think for folks who like the show, they would enjoy that. Uh, and it's a, it's, a, it's a good book. It's a good read. And, you know, because it's, it's, there's so many books where people want to, this is an old topic on here, I guess, but 
people always want to always want to kind of frame their failures as a thing that taught them about the thing that would eventually make make them great and you know and i think that uh i think that sometimes failure is just failure and that sucks and then you keep moving and you do something else and it doesn't you yeah you can say you learned a lot from that and maybe you did but the truth is that there are some failures that don't teach you anything and that's part of what you learn part yeah. of what you learn from that failure is that sometimes you just fail <laughs> and you have to keep moving but you know it's, it's it is interesting to also that pixar is so attached to their stories in many ways like another company steve jobs was involved with um, well i mean if you talk to people from pixar they can all basically perform an on the spot monologue of like any of these like five or 10 stories, mm. and, you know, and you'll see it if you watch any of the, like there's a Pixar documentary where you'll hear John Lasseter talking about stuff or like I've heard Dr. Wave talk about how I think I was there to do a talk one time and was having lunch with him and he was talking about how I think it, incre- I want to get, I want to get it right, but like in Incredibles, this is a pretty amazing story. So you've seen Incredibles. Oh yeah. I think if I remember this correctly, do you remember when, so Bob's basically been abducted on syndromes Island Mm -hmm. and because of the GPS, they figure out Edna helps, you know, Helen figure out where he is. And she, and so Helen calls that guy and says, I need a plane. You, I'm calling in a favor. I need a plane. And that's how she gets the plane to fly to syndromes Island. Do you remember this? Yeah. Well, I think originally, uh, is his name Suge? Whoever was that she calls that guy, he was a fully formed character and they needed to get it into the story arc that this was serious, mm-hmm. that Syndrome was willing to hurt kids, that he was a bad dude, and that this, there were stakes. They needed to make sure that the people understood the stakes of this. And apparently there was like, they were able, like with much consternation and like in, and yelling and arguing, eventually ended up cutting out 10 minutes. They cut out that entire character as a character because that character was supposed to die. He was supposed to get killed by Syndrome. And I think what they did was they worked that into the scene around the fire in the cave where Helen has to go off to find Bob. And she leaves Violet and uh, Dash there to say, well, look, you have to understand this is a bad guy and he will hurt you. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing where like talk about kill your darlings. I mean, the amount of work that goes in so many like a whole team of people working on developing all that stuff. You have to imagine there were probably hundreds or thousands of, of drawings and animatics to get to the point of that character and then being able and then having the courage to say, well, no, we can make the movie better by taking out this whole character and compressing the story into this part. And it worked. And that's why, you know, stuff like that is probably why or that is why Incredibles is probably my favorite Pixar movie. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely it's so mine. it's such a great it's such a great action movie. We end up it's it's become like our snap to grid movie in some ways. We're like, <laughs> what, what does we, that mean? <laughs> well, I mean, this isn't interesting, but, you know, you you've probably faced things like this, whether it's the choice of what we're having for dinner or mm-hmm. what we're going to have for movie night or what game we're going to play. And, you know, kids want to play Candyland. You know, my daughter might well, not anymore. She's better than that now. But like, uh, they might want to play a stupid game. They might want to watch a stupid movie. I want to. I want to sit and watch a Truffaut film together. But you know, the Snap to Grid movie that we can agree on as a fallback is we'll watch The Incredibles. And because you know, I've seen it so many times at this point, I am a little sick of it just because we've seen it so many times and so often, like twice a month, that I'm ready for a break from it. But it, I'm every time I watch it, I'm still completely delighted. I'm delighted by the by the credits. I'm delighted. I mean, everything about it. You know, it's like in Monsters Inc. It's funny how over time, and again, this is part of the Pixar story that I'm just repeating at this point, but, you know, there's stuff that they were able to do. What 
I don't mean to turn this into the Pixar show, but what Pixar got early on is people look creepy and surfaces of objects can look awesome. And so if you go back and you can buy this on the iTunes store, if you buy that Pixar, Pixar shorts, there's two volumes of Pixar shorts you can watch and you can really see the evolution over time. And what they got was like, well, here is something we can do with the animation of 1994, whenever they started, 93. Here's what we can do is we can make these plastic and wood surfaces look pretty good. And given the constraints of what we've got, like what could we make with that? Well, we could make a thing about toys. We could make a thing about people that's super creepy. Or we could make something with toys. So if you go back and look at what Andy looked like in the first Toy Story movie, it's like, ugh. Really? He's real, real weird looking. But they could do that. And then they got further along. They said, okay, well, Monsters, Inc. was a quantum leap forward in what they could do with hair. Hair is super hard. Like, you would never have had a Brave if you didn't have a Monsters, Inc. Like, you go back and watch that and look at what Sully's fur looks like. It's incredible. Finding Nemo, they got great at dealing with water. Mm-hmm. Water's really hard to do. Yeah. And so it's that's like why each one represents an advancement, you know, and there's a whole thing of like, you're saying like fur or hair in one and like with brave, they, they got hair down, you know, her, her hair, every hair, every separate hair on Meredith's head is a different character. Right. It's and it's like each movie is, it represents it, sorry, represents a technological advancement in a way. And yeah. it's you know, like organic chemistry, like each, each, uh, each module is cumulative. <laughs> right. That, exactly. And it's like one builds on the next and builds. Oh, well, we got water down. What are we going to do now? We better do fur. And they, they move through the next. Oh, what about motion blur for the tires and, you know, in this? And what about having a, a chassis for a car that's flexible? And what about, you know, and all of these things, each one gets a little bit better and a little bit better. And it's so weird. Like you're saying, if you look at the, the humans in, uh, in in Toy Story, they're just right there on the side of Uncanny Valley. And yes. if you look at them in in uh, in Incredibles, they've gone to the cartoonish look, so that that we love them, we want to be their friend. And then you look at them in Brave, where it's sort of like it's more real, but there is enough of a cartoon compared to what they're doing, like with um, Despicable Me stuff, uh, right. where it's 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 sort of more onto the cartoony side where everybody has these tiny little pointed little legs and their caricatures, uh, you know, and then when, whenever a movie, and we've talked about kind of this topic before, uh, but it, what's amazing is they're still figuring out what works, you know, Andy in Toy Story is, is a freak and Merida and Brave <laughs> is a, is very, very much a, a friend and someone you can, you can see. And, you know, it's, it's just mm-hmm. interesting to watch this because if if they made a movie right now with a character who looked like Andy, you'd be like, "This is the worst, you know, computer animated film in the history of of humanity. This is embarrassing. We could never release this." If you had a guy walking around like Andy, <laughs> Andy is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, because of what we have right now as a basic element of what's been established by that. But back then it was amazing. And if you compare it to what came before that, what was that little, um, that little Pixar short with the little baby running around playing with its toys. Have you seen that one? It's um, yeah. tin toy, I think is the name of it. Yeah, where they're hiding under the bed. Yeah. Of and, uh, baby. You look at the baby and that it's, it's a, a, a horrific monster. But at the time it was like, Oh my gosh, they have a baby. It looks so real. But look at something that I think a turning point is uh, well, two things. A turning point, I think, in some ways, as a, for me as a consumer of those videos, is Jerry's Game, where the old man's playing chess with himself. And it's, uh, if, if you watch those in order, when you get to Jerry's Game, I, I, I don't know what it is chronologically. That might even be a couple years after the previous one. But Jerry's Game is really a leap forward. Because, you know, yes, he's, he's, he's basically what becomes the toy fixer guy in, uh, 
in Toy Story 2. You know, is the specimen ready for cleaning? Remember that guy? It's same guy basically. But uh, but uh, but uh, but but in that that one, they they I think they got the balance right of a caricature of a very old man and with his old man fingers and his old man face and but even his expressions when he's like having consternation about about the chess game it really starts to change there so the other anyway the all i was going to say about incredibles was so it's kind of interesting in retrospect at least as the pixar story goes that you take what we learned about hair up through monsters inc what we learned about water up through finding nemo and beyond and then in that one scene when the plane crashes you know india golf nine or nine and they, they <laughs> go down in the water yeah and they're bobbing and, and Dash is uh, freaking out. And, and that's the point when, like, the movie gets really serious at that. It gets not serious. Yeah, but you no, know it I mean? has a different tone for sure. Yeah, but they're bobbing in the water. They have cool hair, and the water looks good. And it's, uh, that must have really felt like a victory to see that on a big screen is as a culmination of their process, you know, is to see, like, to be able to pull off a scene like that where you're mostly paying attention to the story, but you're also going, oh, my God, that is so hair. That's, you know, like Dash's crazy hair from his running, like how it's always blown back and kind of floating around a little bit. I don't know. So anyway, uh, The Incomparable episode is, is available here on 5x5, and I recommend it. Did you want to tell me about something that you like? I would like to tell you about our, uh, one of our sponsors, Marilyn. Hmm. It's lynda.com. These folks help you learn and keep up to date with your software. You can pick up brand new skills. You can figure things out about hobbies that you like. You, you, you do this all by following their video tutorials. It's all video. Whether you want to get tips on a, an online tool that you like, you, you, you using your skills to increase your productivity to get things done, maybe. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I mean, you want to learn how to use Final Cut Pro <laughs> 10. Listening. All of this stuff. It's there. They've got over 2,400 courses. They're taught by the industry experts, not just somebody who like figured this out, you know, in, in their basement, but people who actually do this stuff. And, uh, boy, are these things great. They have all kinds of courses on everything. Like I've been telling you about, but it's not just different kinds of courses. It's different experience levels within the concept of each of those courses. Uh, you know, simple things like we take it for granted, that somebody's going to know how to use Microsoft Office. But what if you just like want to get better? What if you want to figure out Excel macros? You know, Adobe Creative Cloud. I mentioned Final Cut Pro, Logic Pro, so much that's there that you can really dive in. And it's not just the old standbys like Microsoft Office. They've got stuff on Google Docs. They've got stuff on, on iOS. You name it. It's there. And uh, a little bit before the show, we were kind of exploring this and talking about it. And, uh, and they've got tons of stuff on getting things done. I know that I'm not introducing that uh, properly the way that I should. What is the full... Getting things done, copyright David Allen Co. Two thousand. Oh, oh, get it, getting things done. That's uh, copyrighted uh, David <laughs> Co. Two thousand one. Yeah, and yeah, but they've got great videos on all of that stuff. This is a great place to start. The way it works is uh, you spend twenty five bucks a month and you get unlimited access to the entire library. That means you can play every video, any video, as much as you want, as often as you want, wherever you are. Uh, it's it's a really sweet deal that they've put together for us. If you go to Linda dot com slash back to work, all one word. You'll get a seven-day free trial, lynda.com slash back to work, and, uh, and, and you get access to everything during that trial. It's a great way to dive in and learn and see what this is all about, and, uh, and you keep that subscription going as long as you want, as long as you're learning stuff, and when you're done, you're done. It's, it's no big deal. So again, thanks very much uh, to these folks. Is, there, you know, is this something you wanted to dive into, the getting things done uh, aspect of it, or... Uh... No, I think it's I, I think it's super useful because getting things done is um it's a it's a really 
it's a big system and a big project, and it's nice to have a way in where somebody can sanely explain it to you in a way that will help you understand what the appeal of it is without you having to read the whole book. I still think you should read the book, but I love the idea of something like with Mr. David Allen that can help you actually understand what it is that makes this thing so great. So very, very big thanks to Linda, lynda.com slash back to work. That's where you go to get that trial. Thanks very much to these folks for supporting uh, Back to Work with Merlin Man. I don't know. You know, this, this whole thing about creativity, it's, it's always, it's a fascinating topic for me because I think creativity and, and it, it extends into everything that everybody does. And people often say about their job or something like it's not creative. And I think anything where you're producing something or, cre- you know, creating something is by, and is inherently a creative process. And even if it's an email, like people who write email, there's so many ways to be effective when you're writing email and creative in that process. And, you know, it's funny because we deal with so many sponsors and we're always, you know, that's a big part of what we do is selling sponsorships for all the shows that we do and, and other shows and other networks too. And, like we try to have fun with it, you know, like people will email us and we'll make a joke or we'll say something funny or we'll, you know, we'll, we'll take it out of that. What is typically like, what is the CPM for the, you know, and we, we try really hard to make it fun and have fun with it. And so many times we hear back from people where like, and I think uh, one of, one of the people here who, who do sales was sharing with me an email from uh, one of our clients, one of our sponsors. And they, they said to her, they're like, getting emails from you guys is the highlight of all the people that we work with because it's fun. Like the emails and the interaction that we get is fun. And this goes back to that creative process that not all of it's fun, you know, but trying to bring that into it, trying to keep that into it is, uh, is, is a challenge. I know it's a little different from what we were talking about before. Um, but you know, that- I, no, I don't. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And 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 funny enough, you're making a point that Syracuse made on uh, on that incomparable and in saying, you know, it's, it's, this is an old hobby horse of mine. Is that people will tend to say, well, what I do is not creative, or you know, it's yeah. not creative work. But if, if it's something that's outside the reign of uh, the out domain of entertainment or something, but let me let me at the risk of being simple minded, make a distinction. There's creativity in the sense of making. Uh, a creative project that's meant to be artistic or is meant to be entertaining or is meant to be, you know, any of those things that you would typically lump in with creative work. I think on the face of it, most of us would say that, you know, finishing a 10th painting for an installation at a gallery is on the face of it more creative than deciding how to do a pivot table in Excel. Right. But I think there's an important distinction to be made. There's a creative field. You might be in a field of like the lively arts or the, you know, creative arts or visual arts or any of those things. Those are, those have to be things that are creative. But there's another kind of creativity, which is your approach to how you do your work. And those are very distinct kinds of things. I I know I'm repeating myself, but I don't think people give themselves permission to believe this. And they, uh, they sell themselves short in the meantime. So I'm just pretty much repeating what you said, but I think there's a big difference. I, I, would, not, I would not be so hard on yourself ever as to say what I do is not the, pro- the product that my work, what's produced by my work is not to be consumed as creative work. You know, that, therefore, I am not a creative person. And that's just simply not true. Creativity, I don't know. There's a book I read back in college that I barely remember called the, I think it's called the act of, the act of, the act of creation, the act of creativity by Arthur Kessler. Okay. And it's just a, it's a very novel approach to this idea of just thinking about what creativity is. And in a nut, I'll, I'll give you my idea of creativity. Creativity is taking two things 
that you didn't think could be related or you didn't think uh, could be um, taking two things that seem completely unrelated and finding a way that they have something in common. And that could create something like humor. That could create tragedy. That could create all kinds of things. But taking two things that don't belong together, sure, that's the beginning of storytelling in a lot of ways. Um, every, every joke, in some ways, is about a surprise. It's, that's creativity, is, is doing something, you know, uh, even if it's just a pun or a kid's riddle, you know, what's black and white and red all over? A newspaper or a skunk in a blender. <laughs> like, depending on how you tell that, you know, right. it's, it's different things. But, you know, you can still be very creative about your work. And that, that doesn't mean that you have, that doesn't mean choosing fonts for your spreadsheet. It means thinking about what you do in a way that gets outside of the way you've been thinking about it in the past. It's about a new approach to solving problems. And uh, I don't know. I just, I hope people always give themselves permission and latitude to understand that it's not fancy to think that problem solving, problem solving is in itself, it, it should be a creative endeavor. And, you know, and like Syracuse said in that, in that episode of the podcast, not to just name check him all day, but, but that's, that, that's what it, to do things like innovation in business or to do anything with, to do anything new, you have to think beyond the way things are right now. And to think the way beyond things are right now takes the ability to take seemingly irreconcilable things and figure out, you know, what to do differently with them. I, you know, I, they wouldn't have come up with uh, 3M, wouldn't have come up with post-it notes if they hadn't been creative. You know, about thinking about, well, this this particular adhesive was terrible for this one purpose. You know, a lot of people a lot of people could, I think, invigorate their work, invigorate their career by realizing that you don't have to act like a clown in order to be creative. Yeah. It, it's it's a way of uh, just rethinking the way you look at a problem. I'm not putting I mean, this well. But. No, you are actually because you know you you um you think about somebody like Horace Dedu, Simco.com. He's dealing with numbers and charts and statistics and he's analyzing them, but there's creativity there. You know, there's creativity in that interpretation and in creating those things. There can be creativity can be found in, in everything. And, you know, there's this Advil uh, container that I have and the top of the Advil container, it's showing you how to twist the thing open. Right. And it, it, it shows that you have to grip the left side and the right side at the same time and press them together and then twist. That seems pretty simple, but like somebody had to invent that. And that's pretty creative because you don't want your kids opening that. Right. And at the same time, what's on top of the Advil container, it looks like a mm-hmm. little happy face that's being twisted. It looks like a little happy face that's being turned and you know, that's creative. It did. It could have been boring, but instead it's a little bit fun. And I don't know how many people look at the top of it and see a happy face or if that's just me, but all of these things, like there are ways to find something creative. There's a way to put your own spin on it or twist on it uh, in, in everything you do and accessing that and finding that and taking enjoyment from that and the thing that you do every day. Like that's the challenge. Like I understand like if you're digging a ditch or something that that's probably not the most creative job that you could have. But if, if you're doing a job where you're, you're involved in the creation of anything, whether it's a lid or like an email or something like that, like search that out. Right. And that, that Mm -hmm. can, that can turn things around. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) still staring at the Skype numbers. (laughs) You're obsessing no, obsessed. over it. We've I'm had some su- for folks for, who are listening to this as a podcast don't know. We, we've had a lot of Skype issues. What you're listening to right now is the <laughs> impeccable 
creative product of yeah. two great minds that will sound fantastic. You will never have noticed that anything has gone horribly awry. Right. Unless I notice, unless I mention it. Um, so is that your favorite Incredibles? Of all the Pixar movies? Yeah, that's, that's my favorite. That's the one that I find that I can watch and it, 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 at any time and it still looks good. And because of the style they did it in, it looks good. And I think that there's something about the fact that it in and of itself has that sort of retro feel. Like clearly it doesn't take place in the 50s, but it sort of has that 50s vibe to it so that mm-hmm. even when it came out, it doesn't look like it's supposed to take place this year. I was watching Annie Hall on the flight back from uh, from your city and this is a movie that i think was made in 1974 and it's uh, it's still i was talking to my mom about this it still holds up it's still you know the fact that that and actually their clothes are pretty in style right now it's just it's funny because there are these things mm-hmm. that that are made that now you look at them and you have them and you're like man they, this thing still holds up and it's still relevant and it's still interesting and yeah i think i think um uh, of all the Incredibles is the one that for me is like the standout. I agree. It's a, and it's, it's such a great, just a great action adventure movie, but you know, you know, one that blows me away. I, I never like find myself looking forward to watching it, but when we do watch it, I find myself marveling is uh, a bug's life just because of when it came out. I think it was their second feature after toy story. And I mean it, but I mean, it came out in what, like maybe 1998 or something like that. Something like that? Yeah, I think and it looks, so. And it just looks incredible. I mean, yeah. setting aside the fact that the insects have four legs, but the, uh, which is super frustrating. But the, um, but the way that that movie looks, the way that they can have like a different shade of blue and freckliness, like for each ant, is, is pretty amazing. The level of detail, like you see the bottom of, what's his name, Hopper? Is that the bad guy? Like you see the bottom of his foot and it really looks like the bottom of a grasshopper's foot. It, it, it's just, it's so well done and how creative, again, they are with like using different leaves for different things. Right. And like everything that, now that's one I think where they got like, uh, got foliage, right? I mean, foliage is hard. If you look at the old, if you look at the very first Pixar, what was the very first one? The one with, uh, the one John Lasseter did before it was even officially Pixar. The leaves are so <laughs> lo-fi. Yeah, I know it. But, you know, that's a very complicated problem to, to do. Or, you know, and then today, though, you watch something like Presto. I remember when we saw Presto at Pixar, they were telling us, Presto's one of my favorite cartoons of all time. And they're saying that they didn't want to put Presto out until they could actually animate each person in the audience differently. So if you watch Presto, there's little short scenes, little, little, little right, scene of the entire right. theater. Every single person is is animated. That's crazy. Imagine how long it takes to to render that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I was more creative. Um, Dan, is there anything else you wanted to tell me about today? Well, speaking of being creative, Merlin, uh, let me tell you about a, a really nice place that you can go if you're feeling creative. It's Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own website. You know, if you want to go there and start a blog, good place to do a blog. You get a portfolio idea. You get stuff that you've done that you want to show off because you're so create, so dang creative. Well, go there. They've got an online store built in so you can sell the stuff that you're making. Oh, like you, you, oh, I want to sell this. Great. Click a button. Now you have an e-commerce site, literally unique 
e-commerce stuff. You just make a page and start selling it. It's all tied in with Stripe. They handle the processing. All of this stuff is built in and it comes with their regular account. I mean, so many people are using this uh, if they're photographers, if they're writers, if they just have a resume of stuff they want to put up. If you're a podcaster, you can use Squarespace to host your podcast. They've got a built-in media player built in right to the whole thing. It's just there. You just get it. You're a musician. You can organize this stuff into albums. I mean, and of course the writing and the tools that they provide you to, to do writing and collaboration and the publishing system behind the scenes is just really great. They're doing all these awesome templates that they come out with on a regular basis. And you can change the complete total design of your site willy nilly. So that if you say, oh, you know what, I'm bored of this. Look, I'm going to go experiment with this new template. You can do it and you can build the whole site behind the scenes so that just you see it. And when you're ready to transition over to the new design, you click one button and you're, you're there. All the content's brought right over. And speaking of content, if you're using a different publishing system and you want to import your stuff into Squarespace, it, it, they can do it. It's all built in. It brings everything over. It's got MailChimp integration for newsletters. It'll even save data when people fill out your contact form into a Google spreadsheet. Like everything's there. So go check these guys out over at squarespace.com. There's an offer code that will get you 10% off your first purchase. And using that also shows your support for this show. The code that you're going to use is it's your show. All spelled out one word. It's your show. You can also go to squarespace.com slash back to work. Go check them out. Thanks very much to Squarespace for supporting. Back to work with Merlin Man. You know, I wanted to do something weird. Go ahead. Um, can I talk about an app? Yeah. How crazy is that? I'd love to hear it. Have you seen this app, Folding Text? Mm, no, I don't think I've seen that one. It's from Hogbay Software, purveyors of much great software. And uh, Jesse from Hogbay, I think, officially recently sunsetted Task Paper. Oh, used, yeah. You've used Task Paper, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Text paper is really cool because it's you take a text file and by um, it's sort of like um, markdown for productivity. <laughs> I mean, basically, you can do stuff like you uh, can have simple projects, tasks with tags that basically conform to context. And text paper was just really neat because it was just you know the fact that it was just a text file that you could take anywhere, do anything with. You could do it on your phone, and you could open it in any other app, and it didn't disrupt the formatting. Right? It was just as simple, really, as like a markdown list and stuff like that. Folding, folding text is really intriguing to me, and you can go and, uh, and Google that. And so folding text is a markdown text editor, and at the, heart, it's, at the base of it, it's, just, it's a very simple markdown text editor. It seems like kind of all there is to it, but it has some features that are really interesting, and are, I don't know why, but if I'm finding it very intriguing right now. Um, so, you know, it's a nice, pretty, very simple markdown editor, but it adds these things where it, it takes basically that task paper functionality. And you can now have modes inside of your text document. So for example, you can you put in a line that says something like my tasks dot was it dot project? What is it called? Let me go look at this real quick. Um you can have timers inside or if you like in his example he gives of wanting to bake bread, you can basically create this series of timers all inside the same document. Really cool, interesting idea. The thing that's really fascinating about it though that I guess, you know, people in things like Emacs or VI maybe have had for years are a combination of what he calls folding and focusing. So code code folding in this is really easy. If you want to wrap if you want to basically fold up or hide everything underneath this particular 
like H2, mm-hmm. right? Two octothorps, two pound signs. You just click on it, and whoop, that folds all that up underneath there. So if you're working in a really long document, it's, it's super cool. Now, you know, a lot of things can do that. You can do that in marked in terms of the presentation of mm-hmm. stuff. But also there's this really thing called, neat thing called focus where, you know, you know how would you would use like, like the way you would use like a GTD type tag in task paper, you could say like at office or at errands or at whatever. You can like control click on that and say, focus on this tag. And now it's the opposite of folding where everything that's not matching that tag disappears. And all you see on the page is stuff with the lines that contain that particular tag. Sounds making like, sense? No, it totally does. I mean, I'm trying to visualize it, but um, it's so. How is how are you using this? Like, what are you? Well, it's it's really appealing to me because I'm I don't know I you know I'm still on geez I'm still on uh, TextMate one. Like yeah, I'm, we got to talk about that at some. Yeah, point. Yeah, I know I need to go to the Sublime Sublime Text at some point, but um, I just thought this was so interesting. It's a new version. This 2.0 just came out. I don't know. It's really intriguing to me because something I've liked to do in the past before I got really into NV Alt. I like the idea of having a few like very long files that I would append or prepend stuff to. And, uh, but really with NVAlt, NVAlt really rewards because of the, um, uh, what do you call that? When you start typing and it starts winnowing down the re- results. What do you call that? You know what I'm talking about? When you start typing and everything that matches, it shows right. up. No, I know exactly what you mean. There's a term for that. But yeah, when you, you type and it matches and as, as you're typing, it's narrowing, 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 narrowing until you find the thing that you want. Like the basic the search stuff that we have. Is there a term yeah. for that? Yeah, there is. And I can't remember it. But for example, I, I you know this is why I name files. I can have a couple thousand text files and naming them makes that really simple. So for example, every Back to Work episode is named the same way. Uh, it's named like uh, B2W Show Note X because that separates it from notes, E175, and then a short date. So if I type B2W space E1, that'll basically find any of the back-to-work show notes for episode 100 and up. And that's all kind of winnowed down in the search field from the top. That's great for being able to like have all these tiny text files and be able to manage it really quickly. Then the nice thing about folding text, and again, I want to underscore it's, it's a text file, so you could use it anywhere and it, it won't screw it up. You know, it's not like Microsoft Word or something where you have to convert it. But if you're inside, like, say, let's say you have a very long document, um, you could use those little tags as a taxonomy for practically anything. You don't use them for, you wouldn't use them, for example, for just task paper tasks, although you could. Think about this. Imagine if you had a, a file of ideas for things to write about. And so you could have... Uh, and, and just add to them by date, almost like a journal. Mm-hmm. So every time you get an idea for a funny tweet, you could add that to the list. Every time you get an idea for a song you want to write, you could add that to the list and so on and so forth. And that could be you know hundreds or thousands of, of lines long. The neat thing is if you chose to, you could use a tag each time you did that to say, for example, uh, here's my funny tweet at tweet. Uh, here's my funny song title at song. You know, Here's my book idea at book. And then by focusing, you say focus on this tag, and it would winnow down everything in that list. You'd see everything, all those thousands of other lines disappear, and all you would see are the five lines, which are titles for books. I don't know. I just thought it was, it's, it's just, there's so many text editors out there that do so much. I feel like I've pretty much settled on a pretty mature workflow. That it takes a lot these days for me to really notice <laughs> You know what I mean? To notice yeah, something totally. that's really different. Yeah. And I know all of that's possible through things like probably packets or plugins or, you know, in, in all the different text editors. But I, I just think it's something that people should check out um, because it is so 
it feels so different to use. And it is still very, you know, distraction-free, very simple, very markdown-friendly. But uh, I just want to encourage people to look at it because it's, it's a neat product. And uh, yeah, I just want to toss that out there. Nice. Yeah. We'll put that That's in the show notes too, right? Link to that. Got it in there. Boom. Boom. And I found some, one of our listeners uh, submitted that, that talk relating to, to Pixar. So that's in there and a good place to go to check out, you know, the stuff that we talk about. 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 175. Fantastic. Is that the Ed Catmull talk? Yeah, that is the one. Oh yeah. yeah seriously, guys, I really recommend it. it. It's it's an awful good talk. He's a very smart guy. And, you know, I, <laughs> you know it's so weird with iBooks. When you download the sample for an iBook, you never know how much you're really going to get. Sometimes it barely gets you through, like the copyright and the acknowledgments. And I, I think it gives you at least a full chapter of the Ed Catmull books. You might want to check it out. But uh, you can see that video. Uh, <laughs> what do you think, Dan? You want to button this up? Yeah, we can button this thing up. Um, we, you know, a lot of Skype issues behind the scenes that uh, we're sorry for. They will never know that. They'll though, never Dan. know. This is going to come out. It's probably one of our most polished episodes. That should take very little time to edit. Nice and easy. <laughs> yeah, we'll take care of this thing in no time. Okay, I love you. I love you too, Merlin Man. Mm-hmm.